0: I've been involved in pretty much every crime out there when i took stuff it was the only time i could pay attention i brought a guy in my trunk one time to a meeting that i was trying to do the right thing and um and So you, I, you were you wanted a guy to go to what like an AA meeting so you no him no i was going car? to the meeting but i was in the middle of robbing him and he wouldn't give me the combination so i threw him in my trunk and then i was debating whether to be violent or to go to the meeting and try to do something spiritual i ended up Confessing in front of, them, but I mortified these people. Like I used to keep a guy around me that stabbed people all the time because it made me look really good. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but he was my friend. But his main job was to look crazier than me, so I looked kind of normal. You know, I'm in a prison inside of two other prisons, which house all the you know death row inmates and ones that didn't have any more time. Right, and they were waiting to die. They they said that the difference between their heaven or hell, the ones cutting themselves and the ones that had this peace about them was Let me tell you about today's
1: sponsor, Aura. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. Brokers are legally required to remove your information if you ask them, but they make it super hard to do it. You can try Aura free for 2 weeks using my link. Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from online threats that you can't see. It's really easy to set up, so you don't have to download several different apps to get things like parental controls, password management, identity theft insurance, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. Let Aura do the hard work of keeping you safe online so you can focus on other tasks with peace of mind. You can either let people continue to profit off of you and your private information, or you can go to aura.com/backslash Matt to start your two-week free trial, also linked in the description below. So, I grew up in
0: Jersey. Uh, I grew up around a lot of people that were, uh, you know, pretty laid back on, the, on laws and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> my dad was a chemist. So, we ended up in like Newark and Bloomfield and camden and um you know growing up there his friend was a cop and uh, i remember when i was a kid sitting in the back of the cop car and they're in there robbing weed from the dealers just taking it from them. you know guy the, called, cop yeah, the cop is right oh, the cop is yeah okay. and i'm in the back of the car so i'm i'm picking up on this stuff i don't know why i'm in the back of the car down in east orange at night but he's a east orange cop and uh you know great guy my mom called him dennis the menace his name was dennis and uh I remember sitting in the back of that car thinking these guys are in there and uh and somehow I knew they were taking stuff. Right. You know, and and he and Dennis was talking my dad into it and he was like, "I'm confiscating it. Don't right. worry about it." You know what I mean? I like if it goes bad. Yeah, this is a, this is a legal thing and then and nobody said nothing about me sitting in the back of the cop car and I'm like hanging out, you know, and I was I was having a good time. And another time uh he got asked to sit there and wait while a woman was dead and they had to wait for you know some something to happen so he shows up there he calls my dad over and um these two were were clowns uh he goes yeah pick anything you want she's gone and you know so I go down in the basement I come up with a shotgun I go, I want this how old yeah, were you yeah I was about eight yeah seven or eight years old but uh those are like the earliest uh memories of when I look back on it how laxed Everybody was what, and and my mother, you know, she became a Jehovah's Witness, and my sisters, and they took all my my toy guns away. So I had this like fascination. Like, oh with man, that. I just had to have them. I was right. like, they broke them, you know, and it would it would bother me. And I remember being obsessed with guns. And I don't think I would have been if um, you know they would have let me have my toys and stuff right. like that. But yeah, they took that away from me. And I remember like you know, getting that shotgun. I was like, I want this, you know? And my dad was like, nah, we're not taking that, you know? And, and you know, just growing up, there was a lot of that, you know, they used to work for, when well, my dad didn't have a, when the chemist work would die down, he worked for these other guys and they had a limousine
1: cab service. What do you mean I mean, chemist? Like I, I would think like he works in a lab or something.
0: Uh, well, he made varnish. Uh, okay. he, he made Tylenol, you know, he, he was, uh, he went to night school to become a chemist and he was really smart. Like all the, all the, all on my father's side were really, really smart people, usually with addiction or alcoholism or something Mm -hmm. like that, all the way up to like founders of West Point and Dartmouth College. They were really smart people. There's like, uh, but they couldn't, (laughs) couldn't do life. Right. A hundred percent, you know? And, um, and my father was actually a good, you know, good hearted dude, you know, but serious drinker and, uh, didn't seem to have much of an impact, but, um. He blew up, the plant blew up that down in Newark that uh, he was working at. And he was in a coma for a couple of years. <laughs> and it wasn't his fault, but- He was know, near it. Yeah, he was in it. And uh, he was in a coma for a number of months. But a good friend of his, you know, he died in that. And um, and when he came out of that, he went from a, like a functional alcoholic to a, to a dysfunctional one, I guess you would call it. So there was a lot of me running. You know, when he came out of there, he came out kind of weak and decrepit. So I figured I had to be the man of the house. I bought my first gun at 11. I worked for uh, I worked for a rubbish removal company which was gangster owned and uh you know it wasn't like the uh you know like a flashy gangster it was more like just businessmen. Yeah. Yeah, they did rubbish removal and they they were serious, but they paid me pretty good. So I'd show up every day and um my mother I remember her thinking my the my way of looking at things was getting corrupted by the by the people I hung out with. You know, I learned at an early age violence took care of a lot of stuff. Um uh one time they charged me too much. I was a kid doing rubbish removal. Probably illegal now that I think about it. I was like eleven or something, lifting I was like 220, six two, you know what I mean at that time. At, I, and eleven at eleven. I was I remember in sixth grade I was two twenty and and uh and and six two. I'm six five now and three fifty. But the uh back then I remember being a big kid and I had no problem doing this work. Right, and, and so they were giving me like hundred bucks a day cash during the summer. Uh, it was giving me sixty, and then he said, "I buy you lunch." <laughs> and then after the first day of buying me lunch, I, I ordered like sixty hot dogs. I don't know what right. it was. He's like, "I'm going to give you a hundred a day. You buy your own fucking lunch." <laughs> he goes, "Excuse me. I mean, is it really?" Yeah, okay yeah, 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 right, yeah. So yeah, he, I got thought I got a raise, and um, so yeah, we were working in, in Summit, New Jersey. Is kind of a like a rich area You're right going to buy a tuna sandwich because i'm on lunch break so i buy you know a tuna sub she charges me like 18 bucks for it or something something crazy so he comes in there and just starts throwing shit around and you ain't gonna charge this kid that much money for it. you know and i and i watched how they gave me the refund and let me keep the sandwich right and i started getting the impression that if you just go and throw a big enough tantrum people just give you what you want right but i started digesting that type of information and um it did not help me when I moved to Florida. My mother seen where it was going. My dad had gotten better, but with the being blown up, but he uh, gotten worse with the drinking. So she moved us down here. And at the time, 30, what is it, 35 years ago now, uh 36 years ago, the uh Naples, Florida had a thing with single parents. They just didn't want that here, you know. And she had we had three of us living down there. And she kind of picked the place off a map and, um, and sold the house up there and, and moved down here. So immediately I had, I had a pretty good first year. Oh, I did high school and all that. Not too much. Um, not that I can remember, but I remember you said something about stealing when you were little. I remember one time taking my, my uncle I had a bunch of crew grands that fell out of his pocket. And I took them, and I went to go buy candy at the store around the corner. They call up and they say, "Hey, your son's got about two thousand dollars in gold trying to buy a Snickers bar. You want to come get this or whatever?" He was a nice guy. He was, a... but I remember when um, when I took stuff, it was the only time I could pay attention. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like I liked taking stuff because I knew I. It felt, like, weird. It felt like I had to take a shit or something. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't like taking stuff. Right. But it was the only time I was hyper-sensitive uh, to the moment. Like, it was the only time I wasn't living in my head. It yeah. brought me to attention. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fear of getting caught. So that was something that I, it was... Kind of like an adrenaline rush. Maybe. Yeah, well, it makes you pay attention. Like, okay. you, you when you're so afraid you're hyper, of getting f- caught, hyper-focused. Hyper focused. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And And I never am focused on the moment until these things happen. And then... You know, with drinking too, that happened. Uh, with that too, you got to be in the moment, not be all self, you know, obsessed. But, uh, but I used crime as a as a way to get in the moment, and I didn't know it at the time. You, you know, I mean, you can't right. figure that shit out. But in hindsight. You know you sit in prison enough years you, you start looking at stuff you're like what the hell was yeah. i doing know yeah. I mean. you do yeah. a lot of that
1: how, how did i get
0: here yeah 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 how did i end up in the, i don't feel like i belong here right <laughs> yeah. i notice
1: a lot of these guys keep coming back how do i right. not do
0: right. that? right yeah how do i not do that so i did a lot of that but um yeah coming down to florida i did pretty good my first year i had something to obsess about it was wrestling down here they made me wrestle up there i boxed and played football but down here i played football wrestling and I even did track just because I needed something because my mind was going crazy we went from uh high uh like sensory you know you don't ever have time to think and and things are always going on people breaking in the house you know Newark was a little crazy right but um when you're down in Florida 35 years ago it's like dead silent way slower way of life yeah you can hear your brain yeah you can hear your brain working so I got into trouble that first year. Actually, my my wrestling coach predicted it, and I had one state and regional my first year of wrestling. I did really good. I was, but I was like three hundred fifteen pounds solid, and anybody in my weight class was like kind of round fat. You know, right. I snapped one guy's rib. They shouldn't have been wrestling. They were just big guys, and I yeah. threw them in there, and um. Yeah, I I uh I got drunk before regionals. I got this big competition the next day and I go out and sneak out and get drunk and nobody would do it with me. So I got some guy to buy alcohol, got drunk, came into the thing and um and they hand me a thing of uh noodles and garlic to, you know, get your energy up i was about to shit my pants i was like what the heck? and i'm in this tight ass leotard and i'm a big dude right so i'm like man i gotta get i gotta get this done with so i get in there and i turn cross face the guy and i snap his rib he starts screaming i'm like are we done they said yeah and i ran and i'm trying to rip this thing off they never had one that fit me anyway and i, I run to the bathroom and i'm like and you know it's really tough to get out of that thing fast but I I don't know why I, the night before I had something to do, I I went and got drunk. It's like, I tried to make it more challenging for myself, but
1: these led on to that summer. It wasn't because you were just anxiety and you were like trying to.
0: I don't think so. I just wanted to do some, something. I wanted something different. Like, yeah, I'm doing all this stuff, but I need a, I need a release. Okay. Yeah. And I need something different. And it was, you know, it was just the beginnings of, uh, kind of living outside of society but at the same time i'm a hypocrite because i'm living in society right you know what i mean so uh the end of that year my wrestling coach we ain't gonna have a team next year i said coach i'm a freshman this is my first year here i just won just about everything and uh you guys just taught me all this stuff he goes oh you'll be in prison by next year i was like (sighs) what it was like you know and then at august when i was sitting in prison i was like is that guy a fucking profit or what you know he, how did he predict that like everybody could see that like i had uh limitless potential and then i was hopeless uh you know special case or something and and i would get those conflicting looks all right and i didn't know what that was and i was sitting in there for the first time like you know some cop he harassed me and i i spun on him real quick and hit him and it just i must have just hit his jaw just right because it broke I, I had to pay that. You know, I had to pay for that. And um, yeah, they ended up giving me five and a half years. I'd never been convicted of nothing. Didn't never did nothing more than that. Like, you know, take hey, Okay, so Okay. So I, yeah, let's, go let's go back to that. So yeah. how, how, I don't understand that he, you're,
1: you're a high school student. Yeah. And a cop just walked up to you and started giving you a hard time. Oh like, no, where- that's
0: that story was I was leaving at like one thirty in the morning from a girl's house. Okay, and they wanted they said I was loitering and prowling, and at the time I didn't even know what the hell that meant. Right, you know, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I
1: already like, loitered and prowled. Yeah, I left yeah, my yeah. Girlfriend's yeah, house. yeah. I was
0: leaving. I'm it. done. And they said they wanted to call her, and I was like, there ain't no way you're getting me in trouble with her and her dad. I was like, dude, I'm going home. I was like, you do what you want. And I went to walk away, and apparently that's a bad thing to do. Right. You know what I mean? Because at the time, I was just a cocky, you know. I, I didn't know I was cocky, but I was like, this is what I'm doing. And I right. started doing it. And he horse calls me, like pulls the back of my shirt and yanks me back. And I and I just spun, and uh, I didn't think. I just reacted. And, um, yeah, I spun and hit him. And then next thing you know, I took off running. Next thing you know, they're all at my house. They're arresting me for uh was it aggravated assault and battery on a Leo or something Yeah. yeah. Or law enforcement officer. And I'm like, ah, so I so I go to court. My uncle's, uh, he still owned a law firm at the time in New Jersey. And I called him and asked him what I should do. And he's like, just tell the truth. It's a fight, you know, whatever. You're gonna get some trouble. He's like, yeah. just tell the truth. And I was like, all right. Yeah, I was like, you're the professional. But he, did, he bonded me out and he thought if I just told the truth, I'd be a kid, I'd get a smack on the wrist or maybe something. But uh, <laughs> they said, yeah, five and a half years. Good luck, son. And that's what they told me. And when I told the judge, I said, your honor, I said, this was nothing more than a fight. I said, he started it, you know, and then I ran home. Oh, they gave me a fleeing and a too. And uh, and I was like, the only reason I have a crime is because you guys were harassed. You know, I had right. all, I was just, it was just crazy to me. And uh, so my mother's in the back and I don't know it. And uh he says, Good luck, son. And I was like, Yeah, thanks, Dad. And I'm being a smart ass on top of getting this five and a half years. I find out my mom's in the back crying. I was like, Ah shit, I didn't know she was there. And um, excuse me. So yeah, I end up getting sentenced as a youthful offender. And as soon as I get to DOC, they won't uh recognize my youthful offender status. They they sentenced me as an adult. Right. They changed it from they they said that they're allowed to do that because you know I'm they're in charge of paying. housing you so yeah housing, they looked at you and said we can't yeah, put him in with yeah, fucking, we can't do that so they the sent kids. me that yeah they sent me to a prison i ended up about two years in i was collecting for guys because i didn't have nobody sending me money so guys would pay me to collect for them i would get stuff and and uh and i was pretty comfortable and then this guard tried me and i and it was just too hot one day and i ended up hitting him and knocking him <laughs> out and it was not good uh <laughs> they gave me two more years after that what? yeah so yeah i come out of prison i'm i'm pretty much hating the cops now or all authority and there was no reason for that but it was just like a blanket hatred um because i felt like i've been kind of done wrong I mean, right taking no responsibility for the yeah. part i played
1: well i was gonna say too you know the the problem with moving across the country mm-hmm. is that What's acceptable in one part? I don't think right. a lot of people realize this. That it, and even in the federal system, right? Like you could get arrested in California for methamphetamine manufacturing, methamphetamine, right. And get a couple years. Yeah. Same thing in a different part, still federal system, right. in a different part of the country. You know, they'll give you 15 years. Right. You're like, well, you know, but it, it's just that's why they're that's why the states are in control of themselves and their right. own sets of laws and that's why even the federal system is broken up into districts yeah because every district is slightly different right you know um and i was gonna say and you're moving from an area of the country where they would probably shrug it off as being um just a kid you know who you know punched the cop and it was it went wrong and whatever and he took off running he was scared or whatever and they might have been like hey you know, there's a higher level of violence in right. this area, so we don't consider that as as serious of a, right. of a crime. Yep. But in Florida 30-some-odd years ago, mm-hmm. it's a much different environment, oh, yeah. and, and respect of the law is a huge thing. Right. And so yeah, so I can see you coming down here thinking, well, this isn't that big of a deal, right? And the and in Florida they're saying, oh no, it's a, it's a huge deal, yeah. Like you, yeah you know, it was even a big the way deal. you talk to the cops, you know, yeah, you could yeah. talk to the cops a certain kind of way. Maybe in New York, that you come down here and right. they they're not going to
0: take any shit. Nah, not at all, not at all. So it's yeah, like, it was no, it's, it's like night and day when I because I I remember cops where I was from, they would take their badge and gun off if there was a a person who was um you know, being belligerent and wanting to fight, they wouldn't make it like a charge. They make it yeah. like a fight, you know? Oh, they'll just and, shoot you here. Yeah, no, here they, they yeah. don't play. Yeah, right. they, and they were very much like that 35. They're a little better now. they actually, there's, there's a lot, I'm actually friends with a lot of, the same judges that tried to give me life send people to work for me now. So, so I know they've right. changed and grown a little. The one judge, her dad tried to give me life, and it was funny. I was sitting at a function and the mom of the judge, the woman judge, is sitting next to me. And then her her husband, the the other judge's dad, he tried to give me life. And she asked me, she goes, Oh, what do you how are uh how do you know my daughter? And I was like, Ah. Oh. Well, I said, Well, your husband tried to give me life in prison. Your right. daughter sends people to work for me and says, You gotta go around this guy. <laughs> I said, So you know, kind of like part of the family. She starts laughing. She goes, "Yeah, he he was uh he was a little rough, you know, mm-hmm. but that's that's what I was. I, you know, they weren't getting my sense of humor, right down there. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely weren't. Yeah, they they didn't have a sense of humor about it, right. and uh, they were they were kind of ruthless. And and but like you said, they had a certain way of doing things that worked for them. And I come here like you know, screw Florida. I'm from Jersey, right. not knowing, you know, just being a kid and and. You know it's just being cocky and uh it took me years to catch up on that though it took three more prison bids and like finally i realized i was like you know these people ain't playing down right. here they're trying to give me life for 20 years now so in the first prison uh
1: uh your first prison sentence you got you you ended up hitting the guard you got an extra two years how much total did did you end up doing on that for- i ended
0: up always doing day for day i went in when i was 15 and and got out when i was 20 just turned 22. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. No time off at all? Yeah. Well, every time I got a little bit of... Uh, they had this thing called CRD at the time. And they were giving guys like a year, a week. But I couldn't get it because I had a violent charge. Then they would have uh, another thing called like 60-40. I don't know. They were giving out all this stuff that just didn't apply to me. And then every time I got a little bit of of hope of doing the right thing, I had to bust somebody up or, or do something that... um it took all that away i spent a lot of time in the box you know i was always getting uh, everything just kind of revoked
1: there's no air ac in the fucking state prison oh today. no
0: it's horrible yeah they got these fans they run, and when you're in the box even worse you got like a little window at nighttime you're like grateful for a little breeze oh my god yeah it's rough you can go and take a shower you come back you're still drenched yeah it's not cool i would that, at that time i remember hearing about guys in the feds thinking man i wish i could go there you know and i you know because you hear you got ac and then jobs that pay like i was telling you on the phone and it, uh, you know i know it's only like 10 cents an hour but it was something you know
1: well listen and the guy yeah. there were guys that would you know they'd have to do like state time and right. then they have to come do federal time like right. go straight from state to pres- you these guys would you couldn't you couldn't knock the smile off their face for six months. They were yeah. so funny. they were so happy. They were like, yeah. bro, you got AC, the yeah. food's good, the di- <laughs> and they were just so ecstatic. Of, right. You, know, yeah. you can you can watch movies, yeah. you can go to the rec yard and do this, they got yeah. this, they got you know, you're yeah. just like, This guy's nuts. Like yeah. you're telling me yeah, exactly. I can go back for seconds right now? <laughs> yeah, you can go yeah. back for seconds. Yeah, they're not gonna say nothing. No, like you know, no. <laughs> well, well, you know, and then they get there, they start eating, yeah, like looking for the guards, you're like, bro nobody's gonna you kick you got out three minutes here yeah. you can
0: sit here for two hours if you want to ah, are you wild. joking yeah you know so yeah. yeah yeah it's like a vacation i heard you know but uh but a lo- lot longer stays i heard too oh yeah it's outrageous yeah. you'll get yeah.
1: 10 years and you get two years in the state or 10 years and right it's funny uh my mom sent me an article when i was in prison that's called uh bring back the lash Right. and they had done a, a survey of I don't know how many, let's say a thousand inmates or something right. and they were saying would you rather go to prison or get, ha- be basically taken out into like the town square right. and whipped with right. a lot, you know like whoosh, yeah. whoosh. like would you rather do five years right. or get 50 lashes? Listen, everyone, they, it was like a hundred, it was like out of a thousand, there was like 995 that said to lash me yeah i would rather yeah. be lashed right. and it's not that it's you know it, it's just that you know you i'll heal from the lashes but yeah. i'm i can't get another five years off my life you know what i mean yeah, so it's you know so w- when i'm when i joke about how yeah it's way better than the state but the truth is is that people would rather be taken out and just lashed yeah. than have to go to prison at all
0: right right so, yeah one day was too much you don't realize when you're younger like You're giving up 15, like when my mom passed, that's when it hit me that I spent 15 years away and didn't have that that time with her, you know, right? just phone call, you know, every time she came to visit, I was in the box, so they would send her away, you know what I mean? There was always, there was never uh, not complications for all that time, and then I didn't expect her to die so young, but uh, that's when I felt it, you know, when you start thinking like that, it's like, oh man, I... You know, because when you're younger, you're just like, ah, it's no big deal, you know? Yeah. I didn't really think about it too much. It was kind of like, uh, like I said, it was like a camp for me. You could take out your anger on anything and, and nobody cares. And um as far as I knew, it was it was pretty much like a lazy man's heaven. Like my dad said when All I was right. a kid. I called, he called from Caldwell jail one time. He was like drinking and driving or something. And uh he go, I said, what's it like in there, dad? He goes, oh, it's a lazy man's heaven. And that, and it's true. It's, it's like you got no stress. Well, yeah. I didn't have any stress. But a lot of people, you know, they, they get in there and they, you know, they think it's so horrible. But I was like, no, nah, out there was horrible growing up. You right. Know, not knowing how to do stuff. And I don't know. I got cu- accustomed to it. Until I learned how to live out here, I didn't know how much I missed, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah I did not know. Compounded ignorance, they say.
1: Yeah, I you get you, I get out here, and it's like it's it's amazing how much free entertainment there is oh, out here. So. It's just like like you want to watch if you want to watch Walking Dead in prison then when the sheet comes out you write on the sheet hey saturday matt cox he wants i want to watch this and then yeah. it, you know it, you're you're basically divvy and let let's face it if a guy who's six foot two walks in and says we're not watching that shit yeah and turns the channel what yeah. am i gonna do yeah i'm like yeah of course i don't know why i even put it down there yeah, well, yeah. of course we're gonna watch fishing yeah i love fishing yeah <laughs> so <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's like you come out here, like you've got you got YouTube, you got yeah. everything's just you know. I understand there's advertisement, but it's right. essentially free. You could turn the channel when you want. Like right. it's you know, it's 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 just such a compared to prison, it's just such a joke living out here. Like yeah,
0: it's almost like a, like a stimulus override. Like a right.
1: as long as you yeah, want to as long as you yeah. want to work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to work. Yeah, that's the one thing I thought I was gonna be rich when I when I got out of prison in '08. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm going to be rich because I don't have a $5,000 a day drug habit. And, you know, I'm thinking the money's <laughs> going to start pouring in any minute now. I was like, I think I got to get a job. Right. There's nothing going on here. So I started picking furniture up, putting it down, and, you know, eventually turned it into something. But, but. So uh,
1: first prison sentence, you get out.
0: Yeah. And at that point, I had never, I, you know, I drank a few times, but I never really got into uh, using anything. I've I been stabbed a couple times and I got some pain pills and um you know and, and, and pain pills feel nice you know and I, so I started finding stuff that felt pretty good you know and um and that was uh due to the anger I had too because I got out and started playing semi-pro ball and I, I remember like I would trip on acid and play semi-pro ball it was crazy. It was like seeing the craziest stuff. And I and I loved it. I was having fun with it. I don't know how good I was, but I got like picked up by a couple of pro teams like that wanted me to come play and then i get indicted on something. Our team was like 12 convicts and a cop. I think a cop was on our team too. They made him quit. But he's like, you can't be with all these guys playing football. We're in Overtown in Miami. And uh, yeah, they're like, no, you can't hang out with these guys. But I started getting involved with all these different – things when i got out of prison i had friends over on the east coast and um you know i had all these people in naples that wanted drugs and i had friends i made in the east coast. I was like man i know where all this stuff is you know so i started bringing acid over and coke and all kinds of stuff and i never really messed with anything hard until um like slowly but surely it started you know partying a little more a little more at first it was just a way to make money and helped my friends out and i kind of felt like i was screwed over so i had the right to do it right yeah i felt entitled to to selling drugs because you took away any chance i had of getting you know no response still taking no responsibility I was for to say. yeah oh, You're just just, justifying you no, just justifying. Oh, justifying total denial and and eventually like really crazy yeah you, you throw a bunch of drugs on that and and it just it makes for a, a wild you know, story that you don't really remember, like only in bits and pieces. But uh, I knew, I remember going to prison a lot. That was it. And then I would get out, run hard, and and end up back in prison. But uh, I've been involved in pretty much every crime out there, short of like, uh, you know, messing with kids or anything like that. I pretty much got uh, everything, you know what I mean, from uh, kidnapping to, you know, whatever. uh, okay so how, how did you and what was the second prison uh, um the second prison bed was about four years and i actually went to a prison that had ac that was nice it was uh a privately owned prison george wackenhut owned uh moorhaven not too far from here i don't think but um anyway i ended up there for four years and um and that was for uh 11 sales and manufacturing Heroin charges that they dropped, nine of them. I could have beat all of them, but so the CI that was in my case that set me up, Right, he got his head blown off while I was in county jail. That's upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't wish that on him, but he was snitching. So, you know, people deal with things, that type of stuff. Things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I end up going, and there was one, uh, my buddy Pex, who, who he, he got 30 years. They found a couple of Uzis and Kilos at his dad's house. It was his stuff. He went and took the blame for it and, and got 30 years and he asked me to make sure these kids didn't get uh you know messed up or anything his two kids with this girl and uh and so i was chilling watching over her she gets a cop to come sit down and buy stuff i was like i don't know this guy i'm not selling him nothing and so she did it right in front of me and and i could have beat that charge too but she would have lost the kids so i took four years on the house just so she didn't catch that charge when they asked you know when he said uh when he said she handed it to him i said i handed it to you i put that there i made her do that you know and then so they 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 got happy with four years because they were about to lose their whole case right the ci got killed and then they didn't have much there with the thing because i never handled none but i ended up taking that one and um and i ended up in a pretty decent prison in a work release center it's crazy how i ended up in work release because you're not supposed to go there with my kind of stuff and um but I did end up going there, and a friend of mine gave me a job over in uh, in Lauderdale at Pompano at the work release center, and uh, and they tried to give me the rest of my time on paper, and I was like, nah. I said, I just did four years. I'm not doing whatever they called it at the time. I think it was called CRD or something, control release dates. And you have to report and all this stuff. Right. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Send me back. And, um, and Joe, or my buddy Joe, he just passed away about a year ago. It was real sad. But uh, he was working with me, had a, and then he had a heart attack. But uh, but he was he was in a, a guy from Jersey City. That whole family died. But they all came down here. One of them, yeah, I don't want to skip around too much. But anyway, he gives me that job. I tell him to send me back behind the wall because I'm not doing any paper now. Right. At this time, I had hired eleven guys underneath me. They're like, you're not going anywhere. You're gonna finish this, and you got you're too you're getting too many people. You know, I was getting the full two o nine a week. You give them. Out of your paycheck is like the maximum. I had eleven guys doing that, so they didn't want to lose the income. So I was like, "Well, I'll be in Treasure Island down 130 in Miami tomorrow at a strip club." I <laughs> said, "You can come get me if you want to." I said, "But I'm not. I'm not doing no paper." And uh, they did. <laughs> they came and got me. Right. They said, "You better not." I was like, "Yeah, all right." I'm telling you. And uh, and I was hard headed like that. I couldn't. I don't know why I couldn't do paper, or but I just felt like they got enough out of me, right? you know? And I, and I always felt kind of entitled to some kind of rights. And maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but I was like over the top with it. Like if you, if you pushed it, I'll push it with you. I and mean, we can go all the way to the bus out. So they sent me back to South Florida and then to DeSoto. And uh, I did the rest of my time and got out. How much time? Uh, that time I did about five total with the year of paper I was supposed to do on paper. So I got four, I did four in and Then I went to work release. And then I would have had a year on that paper or whatever. But you said I'd rather just be behind them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went back to DeSoto and I ended up uh, leaving there. That was a medium, maximum, maximum security. And um, yeah, I was in and out of there in Hendry back in the 80s and 90s. What was the kidnap? You said there was... Yeah, well, I would take drug dealers. Like I, I got my... Eventually, when I started using drugs, I right. was using so much because of my size, my tolerance went right through the roof. I had um, I had got stabbed, and oh, and then I had a gallbladder operation. And they gave me these pills, and I really liked them. So I called in the doctor, and I was like yeah i spilled them down the sink he goes nobody ever spills the antibiotics <laughs> he goes how come they always spill the pain pills the-? i was like i don't know man but i need They're more so them. tiny yeah yeah they were good and i and i remember feeling like i want to feel like this all the time right and um i was pretty much hooked at that point so anyway my drugs got worse and and the the thing about drugs is you could do whatever you want and you ain't got to deal with your conscience When you just, you know, use drugs. So my tolerance went through the roof because I I pushed that envelope all the way. So I couldn't afford the drugs I was doing. I didn't have a job. I couldn't sell drugs anymore because I would do them all. So I just started robbing drug dealers. And that was going along pretty good you know what i mean and and because of course of it, course that's the logical yeah that's the logical yeah, that's that's what i came right. up with yeah yeah i'm figured they're doing wrong i'm doing wrong we'll just see who's better at it right you know yeah. and i didn't care i just like so one time the i told uh julian is one time the dea caught me on camera they were they were watching these guys and it was on new year's eve and i i had a guy with me my boy from jersey city that he was he was on escape from uh rawway and um he was down here and he tells me this guy what was his name he was like a a dude who did five years for armed robbery that's all he told my boy so he came with us and he and we only had one gun so he held the gun i said look dude i'll handle throwing people around all that if anybody pulls a gun shoot them right and so he's like yeah i got you now he never told the story of what that armed robbery was it was a Finger under the shirt trying to rob a drugstore for some pills. So the guy was a punk. Right. Or, you he, know what I mean? Like like he was just a... He was an idiot. Yeah, gun, yeah, he, he was, wasn't an arm robber. And my yeah, he, and I couldn't believe Walt just like took his word for it. And um so anyway, I go I so he knocks on the door, he gets the guy to open the door, puts the gun in his face, the guy starts closing the door on him. I go, What are you doing? I said, shoot that motherfucker. Right. You know, and and he wouldn't do it. So I ripped the door open, I picked the guy up, threw him through a table. The whole time this thing is on being watched and I'm like and I didn't know this but I go in there I get everything I get out of there uh we jump in a car and the guy's like this is like a comedy now because he doesn't know how to ride a stick he jumped in the seat it's a stick you know and he's going and I'm going what are you doing he goes I don't know how to ride I said what are you doing in that seat and I throw him in the back seat and I jump in and I you know I got us down around the around the way and um, I pulled right up on a cop, too. It was weird. And I couldn't figure out where the lights were. I came out of prison. They started doing this thing where you turn the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I was like looking for the lights. I'm like. Yeah, to, the, we used so to pull it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now yeah. Yeah. yeah, you pull this thing out. I'm looking for that. And he's like. He's, and so I flip the lights on. I'm right behind this cop. Flip them off. And I flip. Them. I said, is that the lights? And I'm sitting there flashing a cop. And, you know, he don't. I guess he don't give a shit. So he right. takes off. I take off. Two weeks later, this kid who's under surveillance, not a kid, but he's a man. He he calls my boy and goes, You ain't gonna believe this. I just been indicted from the DEA and they've been watching my house, and they seen Dan Thayer come in there and rob me, and they won't do anything about it. They told me, We know who that is, we don't care. So I took that as now my boy was like, So wait a minute, you were trying to snitch on my, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Right. He's like, Oh, he robbed me. And he doesn't know that my friend set this whole thing up right all right so the dude's like a little you know whatever and uh he's a mark and so so he gets all mad at him wanting to wanting to stab him because he's trying to snitch on me but then he tells me the story and i'm like so wait a minute so the dea don't care that i rob drug dealers so that's just cart blanche oh man i just went all out like now i started all- going to different states and all <laughs> kinds of stuff and just setting up you know you know, not trying to hurt people, but sometimes it get a little crazy. But yeah, I remember one time trying to hit a house and the real DEA showed up. And I had a girl on the inside unlocking the door and everything. And my and I finally brought a friend of mine with me. He wanted to go with me. And I knew he wasn't a snitch. He did he did time before and stuff. So I was like, Yeah, you can come with me. So we're in the woods. I got DEA drab on, like <laughs> trying to look like a, you know, official. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I got the woman about to open the door. Next thing you know, they were real the real people hit it, and he goes. The what real DEA, the, the real DEA hit that house. The guy had stacks and stacks of cookies and cocaine and cooking up all kinds of stuff. And uh, he goes, "What do we do?" I said, "We leave." Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're out of here. That was the most sensible thing I did in that period of time because <laughs> I would have went in, I would have got shot to shit. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm just taking the evidence. Get out of the way, guys." Yeah, you know, I, I didn't have that kind of, you know, that's like a like a real ballsy person. I yeah. didn't have that much, you know. If I can't slam stuff around and whatever, I I I just yeah, I was like, we leave now, and he got busted. That guy got busted. But so that went on and on. Like we went. Um, it's funny that guy too. He he got clean for like a seven month period. He's dead now too. But um, pretty much everybody knows dead. i was gonna say yeah. yeah so
1: what, what? I don't okay. So well, how does the kidnapping charge come in? So I mean, oh no charge
0: for kidnapping. Well. Uh, no, I never got caught for getting that. Oh, oh okay. shit, I, we you might have to edit that. I've never been, I, well, no. <laughs> yeah, I've never been, uh, I've been arrested for murder, didn't yeah. know it, uh, died on six different homicides that, you know, when you were talking about the guy being in jail and, and sitting next to somebody, somebody confessed to the murders that I was in jail for. Now I had, at that time, I had armed robbed a drug dealer right in front of the police station, beat him right in front of the police station. They had me dead to rights. Right. They arrested me for armed robbery of a drug dealer. And right. I couldn't believe it. I was like, nah. I was like, the DEA doesn't care about this type of stuff. <laughs> they
1: told my buddy. Yeah, yeah. They told <laughs> my buddy
0: they don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah. You know, so so they end up they offer me a deal saying if I did this uh, lie detector test and and did this hair and blood sample, I wouldn't they wouldn't convict me of the armed robbery, which I did do, right in front of the police station. Like the guy I robbed. So, okay,
1: him, so I don't I don't okay. After the DEA thing, yeah, yeah, this is—you're a- still continuing to rob places. Oh yeah, rob drugs. Yeah, how now long does it. that go on?
0: Uh, on and off for years. Like I would get caught for stuff, but I would like it would be stupid things. You know what I mean? Besides the murders, and I had, uh, well, I had a home invasion too. But the, there was like you know, I would get away with a lot of stuff. I right. walked away from a, a home invasion in '94, which they you know really screwed up, but. I'm grateful, you know, but uh but I would get stuff like that in in tying into um Robin drug dealers. Like you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of uh excess damage. They couldn't get right. me for the things I really did, but they would get me for a bunch of other stuff. Right. Yeah. So we can't get him for the home invasion, right. but
1: we can't get him cuz we pulled his car over and he did have drugs on him. Yeah. So we arrested him for yeah. the drugs. We oh yeah, all minutes.
0: the time I was always getting right. caught with drugs on me. Yeah. Anytime they searched me, I always forgot I had something in my sock. The last bit I did was because I had a Xanax in my sock, and I just threw out three guns. I was like, oh, man, I, I really thought I got away with something. Right. They're trying to give me life because of the priors and, and all the, you know, they re you here over and over again. And um, they use a point system. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, point system. So, yeah, I had too many points, and the judge was trying to give me life at that last time. But uh, that's when I ended up with it death road being a uh so what what happened what happened
1: with that so let's 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 get the that's what your last lengthy prison sentence
0: no that was only a couple of years i had like two years uh the judge offered me the judge said why ain't i giving you life today and i said well well so i understand what how'd you get arrested for that oh i got what, arrested was the crime what i had i was out at a house. I was loading up somebody's tools and I remember them. And I was like, because I was on Xanax. Right. And when I'm on Xanax, I start just loading stuff up to go sell it. And I don't know what the hell's wrong with me, but on Xanax, it's like, it tells you the dumbest shit to do. Right. And I remember loading up the tools at this house and going, you know what we can get for this? He goes, yeah, I bought them. They're my tools. I was like, don't worry, I'll break you off. Like, there was no sense to my thinking. There was, I'm telling the guy that, that is letting me chill at his house and get high that I'm loading this stuff up. Don't worry, I'll break you off for selling your stuff. Right. And in my mind, I'm thinking this is a come up, but he should be grateful. You know, and this is how crazy I was at the time. And so I dip out and somebody talks me into going and getting him cocaine at like two in the morning. And he's dead too now. But uh, him and his girlfriend start bickering, and I can't handle that shit. It it bothers the hell out of me. So I told him, I said, you know what? You two get the fuck out of the car. They're like, this is my car. I said, well, not right now. I'm going to get you this Coke. You're getting out. So I left him at a gas station. I got three guns on me, a crack pipe, Xanax in my sock, which I had a script for. But they're not supposed to be out of the bottle. Anyway, I'm driving up the road. I'm like two minutes away from going to get Coke, and the cops start going behind me. And I'm like, shit, I can't get caught with these guns. So I start throwing them out on 41. You know, 41 runs all the way up yeah. there. Tamiami is Tampa to Miami. But, the, the, yeah, so I'm on Tamiami Trail throwing guns out, heading, you know, head knees. I get rid of the guns. They don't seem to see them. I have the one thing in my sock. I forgot about the crackpot that kind of fell down. So I get a paraphernalia and one pill. And the judge tries to, you know, throw light. I've been on bond going to court and – uh I kind of, I kind of carjacked those those two people. I, it, when you look at it like like that's it wasn't like you know yeah, but I did throw the guy out physically and told him to shut his bitch up. Like you know that's how I was at the time. I was like, shut her up, dude. It's gonna be, it's gonna be hard to walk away from. Some
1: this. people could would consider that a carjacking. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it was like you Some know people are sticklers. Yeah, well the people that are real sticklers and <laughs> they like to uh, did they call the police? i say this guy just took off with my no, car? I don't think so. I don't think this dude would have did that. Maybe she did. I don't know. But they were on me like pretty quick. And and plus, I couldn't drive. Yeah. <laughs> I was like all Xanaxed out. And I remember like going to jail. That was the, the, the thing I was telling you about. They still did ink at the time. Right. And I just was so high. I kept rubbing my face. So when they did the ink, I was just like, ah, I'm tired. Let me go lay down, you know. And I, I did. I wanted to go to sleep. I was so tired. And his mugshot has like all this yeah. ink all over his face. Looks like I'm all bruised up. I had people calling me, "Are you all right?" I'm like, "I'm fine, dude. I was just I got ink all over my face." So it it uh yeah, it was a it was a rough night. I knew I shouldn't have went out that night, but um, it there's always a gut that tells you do not go, and I went, and I blame them for that. Yeah, that was their fault. They got thrown out of their own car. I got in trouble, and um. So anyway, uh, that last thing, I'm on bond, and my dad at the time says, uh, "Oh, my friends, you know from like the '60s or '70s, he goes, this is how they got off heroin back in the day: was they take methadone.' So we went to these. The doctors at the time were just handing stuff out. Yeah. And so we went there, and I bought, you know, I I told the guy what was going on. He basically told me what to say, and my dad did the same thing. And each one of us got 320. 40 milligram wafers a month so i got 640 of them right because your mean, dad doesn't need them no nah, he don't yeah. need them so i took them all and he's like you know we could sell something i said like, no we can't i'm eating all of them and and so i did this for a year on bond and i'm eating like five bars a day with them and i'm doing a bunch of coke and stuff but so in that year i commit like because i think i'm going away. you know how you get that like hopeless yeah, it don't matter what I do, type thing. It it yeah, can get worse. If I'm already gonna go for yeah. ten years. If I get caught for something, they'll either throw it in, yeah, or it'll be eleven. Yeah, doesn't matter. As will can... ride it out. Yeah. Right. So I did that for a year to the point where I wasn't getting caught for nothing. When I went in to see the judge, finally, I was like, I was like, Your Honor, I said, I need about two years to go lay down. I said, Will you give that to me today? And he was pissed. He was like why ain't i giving you life you know he's, he's like you're you're a career criminal every you know you're always here you know this and that i said look i had a script for that one pill you guys found and i said uh i can get all that and i can have my lawyer beat this charge or you can give me two years today and i'll take it right. and um it was like two years two months and he he was pissed but he gave and i told him i said you know, I'm on this, and I, I, one of the comments I did read that somebody said it was impossible to be on 800 milligrams of methadone a day. I, I was on this for over a year. I don't know if they count the wafers as milligram, 40 milligram wafers, 20 a day, with about five bars a day. Now, people think this is impossible to take. I chewed up 10 of them as soon as I woke up, and then about another 10 throughout the day. Every day, 20 of them. Right. And so we, me and my pop got these bottles, I just went through them every month and i didn't have any to sell and uh you know i i got no i got no uh this the kick was 65 days long i had four seizures um probably from the xanax you're not supposed to really get seizures from the methadone but i don't know you're not supposed to take that much that's like most people take with like 120 milligrams a day that's serious methadone habit right i for some reason couldn't be affected uh or I was affected. My liver was enlarged and my heart got enlarged. But that was later. But, the, uh, but I didn't feel the effects. Like it wasn't, it wasn't doing nothing. it was making me normal. So that day the judge sentenced me. He goes, why aren't I giving you life today? I said, you could try that. I said, I really want to lay down and kick this methadone habit. I said, this stuff is bad. He goes, so you're high right now? I said, man, I ain't been high in years. He go, I said, I'm normal right now. I said, do I look high to you? I'm not high. I feel normal. And I said, but I am on a ton of methadone. Right. So he, he, he let me do the sentence anyway. So Because I guess they got to ask you if you're on. Yeah, you're not technically yeah, you're not supposed to be able to. You're not to... supposed to be able to do it. So he sent me away. And then like within two or three weeks, I'm still kicking, like violently kicking. My body's rebelling. I'm on buses. I end up at Rayford. And, um, you know, I'm in a prison inside of two other prisons, which house all the, you know, death row inmates and. Oh, you know, and then I'm a work, uh, I, I end up with this job. At first I was kicking. So I was told them. I said, I ain't doing nothing. You could throw me in the box or whatever. I ain't doing nothing for about two months. And I said, when I get my strength back, you'll get your work out of me. They just left me alone. You know what I mean? And then they gave me a job. So I was cool with that. You know, by the time I got up walking around the track and got my weight up a little bit, I, um, I was fine with working, you know what I mean? And then you just get into a routine and do your thing, but. I uh it was weird. I being on death row was like well not you know, not sentenced to death row, so nobody doesn't think I'm uh full of shit, but the but being able to go all down key wing and all the wings where guys are like hopeless and eating their own feces and just sick shit going on all the time. One death a week about, you know, regular Somebody hung themselves. Somebody got lit on fire. Somebody cut their dick off. It was crazy. One time they sent me down there to find a penis. Yeah, I wasn't doing it. So they were like sending me down there with a bag of ice and a bag, and a plastic glove on. I'm like, dude, you're out of your, you know, you're out of your mind. You better go down there yourself. And he was like, you know, it was a, it was a, it was like, uh, like, a, like a drama between two homosexuals or whatever. And he was sticking his. You know, thing through the thing and he bit it off because he found out he was cheating on him. It was like, you know, like, like, uh, what do they call that shit? Days of Our Lives, like a soap opera. Death Row Soap Opera. Death Row Soap Opera. And that's what it was. And, you know, those guys are deadly serious about, you know, yeah, it can go intense. But, uh, I, uh, I remember some experiences from, you know, just dealing with all that. There was, um, there was a guy right me at the time uh, who was really, he was really all in my corner. He, through that guy, Walt, that I told you that um, he died, but he was clean for like seven months and showed me it's possible. This is a dude who I got a job because he wanted to be a barber. So I got him a job at my friend's barbershop and he stabbed the guy because he didn't like his haircut. So th- this is the kind of guy he was, very temperamental to say the least. And uh, And we ran together for like 20 something years faithfully. Like, if, you know, we did anything, we did it all together. And and he was a good dude. But uh, but he was a little psychotic. And um, so, anyway, he showed me for a period of time, in seven-month period of time, he got his life together. We got his daughter back. He had a credit line. He married a counselor in prison, the counselor that was in prison. He ended up marrying her. She was a good girl. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so he scored – Everything was great. And he goes, I'm just gonna sell weed. And I was like, Dude, I said, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, I don't know enough about this recovery shit, but you seem to be doing really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? At that time I didn't know a lot about it, but he introduced me to a guy. He goes, I can't understand what this guy's saying, but he'd be good for you. And the guy he really he really like kind of tricked me into changing my whole life. All right. Yeah, he was way smarter than me. And um and anyway, I ended up living on his futon with him and his wife in that house for like um, six months or something like that. And I'm 6'5". The futon's like four five, That's So cool. I got legs hanging over. My neck would wake up with lines across it. And I stayed on this stupid futon because the stuff he was like, the concepts he was breaking down to me, they uh, they gave me hope that I can change. And he separated who I was from what I did. I right. was able to do that. And, and th- this is the guy that was writing you? <coughs> yeah, you were... he ended up writing me on that last bit because okay. I had a relapse. And then I went out again. It was usually over my daughter. Like, I'd have my daughter. I'd do good. I'd lose my kid, and I just didn't see any reason to do good. Right. I didn't have any worth. And um, so at this time, I'm there. In fact, when I was there learning this stuff, I, I didn't learn it until a lot later. But he was telling me things. And uh, his wife, I remember I kicked and he would take me to these meetings and, and just, you know, took me around everywhere just showing me how to live without the use of uh, drugs because I had to learn that again. You know what I mean? I, I used to not do any drugs and then right. I got hooked on them. So he's teaching me how to do all this stuff and his wife's like, you know, my appetite came back. So I'm eating them out of a house at home. Right? They, they are not rich and the wife starts, you know, nagging about it. So I'm like, God damn it. So I go in the hood in Fort Myers and rob a drug dealer. And I don't take the drugs. I bring the money back. And I go, here, here's some money. Shut the fuck up. I right. need to hear this guy. I didn't, you know, I was yeah, nicer yeah. about it. But I was basically like, shut up. You know, it's just, I know I eat a lot. Don't worry about it. Right. And uh, so I gave her money. She was like, oh, you won't hear a word out of me. So she was like a little crazy, but... um, She's a nice lady. She was she was just like, I just want the money. I don't care what's yeah, going on. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but he on the other hand, he would write me every week he'd send like these he would write a little bit every day, but every week he'd send me like a twenty, thirty page letter on, you know, what books to read and stuff like that. He had me reading a lot of Saint Francis and you know, just guys that got outside of themselves, you know what I mean? And right. and and that my my problems were of my own making from selfishness like you were saying that one guy that had all that money and he was doing this stuff his greed got uh got him cloudy in the mind and made him do dumb things where right yeah if he had a clear mind he would have made better decisions so you're you're almost powerless to make good decisions when you're clouded by a by like a driving force a a deep desire to do something and you don't care what happens
1: yeah i was i was gonna say i I think colby heard me say this the other other day there was a guy in prison named red bull who legitimately (laughs) well they called him red bull right um, right because he was actually in there for selling red bull vending machines on a what's called a business opportunity scam that he he was running but um anyway he, he went to trial got 15 years something like that so this is a guy who legitimately could pro- could make two million dollars a year by right. himself just yeah. legitimately doing what he does it, um but if he could illegally make two and a half million right he'd go ahead and do the two and a half it yeah. it's like yeah you're not okay legitimately making two million right. you've got to turn it into some kind of a scam to make an extra five hundred thousand, right and you just would, you know. It's yeah. like the same thing. Like you could you can make money legitimately yeah. and not risk anything, live the rest of your life, but yeah, but if I if I do
0: this, yeah can make a little bit more. Right. Yeah,
1: but you're sacrificing everything. Right.
0: But in your mind Yeah, that's what when you were describing those uh definitions of this and that kind of uh, diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 egocentric has no choice but to go for the more. Right. You know what I mean? But if you're if you're if you know there's only so many resources and everybody's got to try to get along and that you can't just go like I learned from from the guys I grew up with you smash on anything except for your family, your people. Right. You know, and I found out later that these guys weren't 100% loyal to that. You know what I mean? And, and but it took me going and doing it first where like you could stub your toe or my mom could stub her toe and you're having a heart attack and I'd mush you to get to my mom. Right. You know what I mean Oh, you know, who's just got a stub toe. Right. That's how I that's how I messed up my wiring thinking like that. Either, right. Yeah, just ego like I can't not you know do good by her. Screw you. I don't know you. You know what I mean like that's how it was for a while. And I wasn't like that. But learning that way and then doing that way, it uh it caused derangement. It did cause derangement. I didn't, had to. Didn't you ahead. the
1: other day say, say to me well, when we were talking on the phone, you said, uh, I take a bullet from my daughter, but I wouldn't go out and get a job. For right. Me. Yeah. I'll yeah. die for her. Right. That's
0: easy. And, but I won't live for her. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that, that a lot. Like, I'm right. so I, I literally
1: like people typically say stuff to me, but, but that's been, since you said that, that's yeah. been playing through my fucking mind like three, four times a day. I've thought, fuck, like that's such yeah. a great way to say it.
0: Yeah. I did. Well, I just don't like hip, uh, hypocrisy like and and when i say it i'm not judging it i'm just saying right. i don't want it in my life it doesn't make me once i know i'm living a lie i can't do it right you know what i mean i could lie to anybody and i could do whatever um but but the but lying to myself or or not really sticking to the code that's what broke me about a lot of um uh, gangsters and all yeah, that yeah. like when i started realizing um their their hatred and everything was all based in fear I couldn't I couldn't deal with it anymore. I thought these people were courageous. You right. know what I mean and I, I had to get out of it. But uh but uh with my kid I thought um you know uh you know sucking it up, being a man, not asking for help, all this stuff was the was the way to go. But but like chumping myself and asking, "How do I do stuff or whatever?" This is how my brain was talking to me at the time. Like, "Dude, you can't do this. What the hell?" So I'd rather, you know, I'd rather give a noble attempt, go to prison and all this crap where I'm not there. Right. Then and I didn't know I was doing this. At the time it was like hidden from my uh awareness or whatever. But but I yeah, I'd kill myself or I'd I'd uh, or I you know, I'd kill myself trying to do stuff. All I had to do was get in line, be like people, learn how to do stuff and do that so my kid knows how to do that. Right. And that's that was my whole basis of my turnaround too. was Back in 2008, I came out. It was kind of a recession I joked about. It's your fault. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I came out into a recession. I started picking stuff up, putting it down, just working. Yeah. But my real job was to only do what I would tell my daughter to do and not do what I would tell her not to do. That was my only job because most people were scared of me at this point. So nobody was going to be like that one guy that died who helped me out a lot. Right. I had a lot of you know, trying to do the right things, but also being a little crazy. I brought a guy in my trunk one time to a meeting that I was trying to do the right thing. And-, um, and So you I,
1: you were you wanted a guy to go to what, like an AA meeting? So No, no, I was going car. to the
0: meeting, but I was in the middle of robbing him and he wouldn't give me the combination. So I threw him in my trunk and then I was debating whether to be violent or <sighs> to go to the meeting and try to do something spiritual. I ended up confessing in front of him, I mortified these people. And told him I was like, I'm trying to do the right thing here, and I was a little out of my mind. My mom was dying at the time, and um, and I go, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I really don't think this guy deserves it. So anyway, he's in my trunk right now, and I can't figure out whether I want to let him go or beat the shit out. Of Are him. you in like an AA meeting? Yeah, at that time it was an AA meeting. Yeah, yeah. Did and they? They, and they think nobody did, snitched on me? Nobody snitched on. Did me did earlier. they really
1: realize like? He's really got a guy in the trunk of his head. Yeah, car. no, they, they did were, realize they were terrified, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. They were terrified. Yeah, <laughs> oh, those are the bro. same people that wrote me when I was up in prison. They're like, we're so glad you're on your way to doing the right thing. And they're very encouraging. I ended up going to NA though, but, but they were really nice people. I still go over there and talk to them sometimes. I always say sorry. But um, yeah, I got offered a job at Hazelden one time and the lady was uh, praising me because I had to go in there and speak for a commitment. You know, like, like you know, bringing some hope to these people and stuff. Kind of like uh, what you were saying you do with the, you know, telling people this is a crime, you know, this and yeah, that. Yeah. And I, so I go in there and do that. They offered me a job. This lady's like singing my praises, saying how great a guy I am. And one of the workers, the woman that was in that meeting, when I can, she goes, oh, that's the guy that came to the meeting with the guy in his trunk. And uh, I never felt shame before because the people I hung around with, that wasn't a big deal. Yeah,
1: they laughed about yeah, it.
0: Yeah, it was no, no, it was not a compelling story. But With these people, I felt like, oh man, I was like, I was like, that was a misunderstanding, total (laughs) misunderstanding. I mean, he did not need to be there. I didn't really think I should put him there, but I had to, anyway. And then I didn't get the job, so I didn't want the job. But I I liked when she was saying nice things about it; It made me feel pretty good. So, and then that made me feel pretty shitty. It was the first time I ever experienced like shame and admitted it. Like usually, I'd knock somebody out when I got any feelings like that i would just instead of uh, working on myself i would just get rid of the people that that said bad things you know what i mean so after you got out of prison
1: you you worked on death row Mm -hmm. you got you got out yeah which was what the last this was that was the last time right that was the last time back in 2008 i've been out ever since and you started, you you lived on that guy's futon for a while?
0: No, that was before. Oh, okay. yeah. He died. Well, when I got out of that bid, he was been writing me the whole time. This was after he helped me. in, in back in 2004 or five, when uh, my friend was clean, he helped me out immensely. He planted ideas in my mind that didn't uh, flourish until later. But he wrote me during that whole bit. And when I got out, I said, as long as I got my mom and this dude, I'm good. So I got out, my mom said, come home. I said, no, I'm going to a homeless shelter. I said, the truth is I'm homeless. I need my inside to match my outside. I'm not coming home. And I built my way up from there. But when I said that, all I need is this woman and and this sponsor, it was a sponsor at the time. They both started dying of cancer at the same time. Uh, and I was like, if there's a God, dude, cause I wasn't going to God, but if there is a God, I was like, this is pretty stupid. You know what I mean? This is a dumb idea. The only two people keeping me to be remotely safe and, and you're killing them both. I was like, so something's like predestined for me to be a, a screw up. That's how I started thinking. But so anyway, I'm going to hospice up in Fort Myers for Rick. And then I'm, you know, helping my mom on, a, you know, putting her, she's just whittling away. Now she had, she had cancer back my second bid, went through it. And by the time I got a visit where I wasn't in the box, she looked fine. So I thought this was gonna be that again. She was 56 or so or something. So I thought this was just gonna be that again. I was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just do this chemo shit and you'll be good. And uh, and everybody got scared to tell me the truth. Like, you know, everybody kind of told me, nah, you know, it, you know." and she didn't want to do it. Like in hindsight, I could see she didn't want to go through that treatment. She only did it because she was afraid I was gonna go off and, and do bad again. I have been, since I've been out of prison and talking to Rick and dealing with him, i've been doing pretty good i started lifting stuff and putting stuff down and then I, I i worked for a company that gave me four warehouses and then they put me in business because i i ran um his his stuff pretty good so i ended up going into business for myself All right
1: this is the movement
0: you were doing you were moving uh, yeah well, i was working for a bunch of designers at first doing installs and and you know decking places out putting artwork up and you know I, I work day and night just doing this and then i do move jobs because the guy let me use two of his trucks at the time okay because yeah just use them and then he, he caught me in tampa one time he's like i met in naples you know right i'm leaving the tam i'm going and i come right back and go to work and next morning so i work all day then i work all night that's how i paid off um uh, that job uh, the cop i paid off all anything i owed i never had credit at that point i never had credit before so I had nothing there but i had like hospital bills i've been shot i've been stabbed so i had a lot of hospital bills i didn't pay i paid all of them I paid everything and my credits through the roof now but um but that's how i did it i would work all day all night because i didn't like debt right i paid uh restitution anything i owed i paid and so i get to about four years of doing good and i realize my mom's not getting better you know right. and she's whittling away it took 18 months for her to die but She's like whittling away. In the last six months, she was kind of like a, like a vegetable. Like she was there, but nobody was there. You know, she didn't want to do chemo. She I don't think so. When I look back it. on it, she was. At, they they had this question, and I and I'm still out of my mind at this point. Even though I'm clean and doing the right things, I had no idea how off the, off the track I had gotten with drug use and crime and all that stuff. So I I couldn't pick up on normal things like uh, like. Everybody else kind of read this and nobody told me. So, and I was maybe in denial about it. So I'm shooting towards her getting better. And they had this thing where they questioned me and they said, What would you rather have for your mom? Quality of life or, or, um, what was the other question? It, it was like two things. And I said, Oh, quality of life. No, no doubt. So, so they were, they were trying to come to a conclusion of whether they should just let go and have the last few months without this chemo and i was drawing it like you're gonna do the chemo you're gonna be great it's gonna be quality of life right i i totally misread the whole thing and um and plus there was a lot of fear like without that woman ain't nobody gonna accept me when i was wanted for murder my dad lay (laughs) my dad was shot out i was like dad don't tell nobody i'm here i was only in my house for a minute but everywhere i went i was getting they were all over so my neighbor calls the cops my dad's out there with a lawnmower, and he's a little off. He's like, oh, yeah, he's inside. My mom goes, he's not here. And I'm hiding behind a shower curtain with a pistol like this. And I'm like, oh, God, please don't make me shoot this fucker. I said, like, I'm not going to jail. I'm not doing this. I, I'm telling you right now, please make him walk away. I, I'm a big dude behind a little shower curtain, and it and it's only open. like I, I didn't close it all the way because I didn't want him opening it. So I just did it enough to cover me. I see his boot. And he goes, he's not here, and he walks out. There was forty cops all around. I'd have been shot to death if I would have did something right there. And I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I wasn't going. To, and I had a phone in my hand, calling my buddy, come get me. And um, and my mom's like, you know, pretty much lying. She's lying for me. Yeah. He's not here. He's not coming here. You know, get out of my house. And uh, so when she was dying, I was like, ain't nobody on the planet gonna accept me like that, lady you know if i was wanting for murder she was asking what did you do to make them kill somebody (laughs) it was your fault you know what i mean and and even though it wasn't good acceptance it was acceptance right you know so it was crippling too and it's funny because i never thought to do good or or really work on myself until she passed you know what i mean i would have loved to do it for her and i tried on my own will but it didn't really happen for me like i didn't put my back against the wall and say there is no choice i gotta do good until I got that concept that whatever I do, I pass down to my kid. You know my so, actions. Um, real quick, we kind yeah. Of, I think we skipped uh, part oh, of it. Was
1: when you got you were in indicted and arrested for a, for what a
0: murder that yeah triple homicide right. So yeah. what happened with that? Like what? There was a guy, John Ballard. He just got released too. He's out. Um, he actually asked me if I was going to hurt him, and uh, but uh, he uh, he. I guess he don't look like me, I don't think, at all. He's like a dumpy dude, you know, whatever. So he gets he gets uh he's in there for a crack pipe or something. He's got a year in the county jail. Okay. At this time. I'm in jail and I'm uh I think I'm going to prison. I can't remember why I'm there. I think I'm on my way to prison. So there's this guy called Heart Attack. We call him Heart Attack because he's always faking heart attacks. And and my dad's in the block next to him. He's drunk, you know, and still <laughs> You Know making fake alcohol or whatever, and so they're in 4a and 4b the misdemeanor and then the felony. This guy, John Ballard, is doing a year in the county for a crack charge or whatever. This is a year after the murders. I'm in what was uh, what was the murders? There were three people killed, yeah, yeah, beaten with a bed post and stuff. There were, um, if you look up John Ballard murders, uh, he he beat up his aunt or something and two other people, and they, I don't got, know, they, they died. Had, yeah, and they died, but there was like 30 people saying I did it. And I was like, I wasn't even, I don't even think I was in town at the time, but I know I wouldn't beat up no woman or I, I just knew it wasn't me. Right. Yeah. No matter how messed up I got, I knew that wasn't me. So you're so, in jail. Sorry. So I'm in jail and I'm facing, uh, oh, the armed robbery, which I didn't do. And they had picked me up in St. Louis for a mur- for the murders. I got shipped from the fugitive block in Clayton County to, um, to Naples, Florida, back to Naples. So at that time, I was trying to, you know, be there for my kid because I knew I was going away for at least 40 years for armed robbery because they were charging me with an armed robbery instead of a drug dealer getting robbed. And uh, I was like, man, I can't believe they're doing that. So I called this lawyer down in Naples to retain him. Me and my dad are talking to him. The guy snitches on me, tells him where I'm at, the lawyer. And uh, he's like a a well-known lawyer down there. He makes deals with the... It's very corrupt. Very corrupt. Like he'll he'll get a, gu- a couple guys off, and he'll give you this guy. Right. So I guess I was the guy who got given up. And he goes and tells him where I'm at. And um, so anyway, I end up getting sent down here. It takes about two months on Transcor, and uh, and I end up in the county jail. And this guy, a heart attack, is the roommate of the guy who killed these three people. And the guy's got like two days left on a year. He's scot free. Nobody even thinks he did it. He confesses to this guy who's a snitch, and, and a you know fake heart attack guy, right? Funny guy, whatever. He don't, you know, he wouldn't tell on people like me or my dad or nobody, right. But he would tell on a whatever to get that out guy of trouble. At, oh, I was gonna say a multiple murderer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, well, he didn't tell on him. He wasn't gonna tell on him because he was wondering. But then he knew I was arrested for it. So I'm in another block waiting to do a hair and blood sample and do a lie detector test for these murders. And he goes up and tells my dad, My dad's still, I guess, he got like a little bit of wet brain or something. So when he stops drinking, he's still a little shot out. Right. So, heart attack tells him, Hey, Mr. Thayer, you know, this guy just confessed to the murders that your son's in the other block for. What should I do? He goes, If you're a rat, do what you do. I don't fucking know. He goes, You know, my dad's shot out. Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, your dad. My dad's I mean, you, your dad's
1: telling the guy basically don't say anything.
0: No, no y- he's saying like your dad- uh, if you're a snitch, you're gonna do what you do. You know what I mean? Go oh, okay. Snitch. I thought he yeah. was saying, Oh, don't say anything. Like, my fucking yeah.
1: son's for you gotta yeah. good tell
0: No, my dad would uh my dad was a firm believer. I one time handed him a hundred and eighty year uh PSI for 11 sales and manufacturing charges before that CI disappeared or got killed or whatever. And uh and he I handed it to him under the door, and uh he looks at it and he goes, Oh, we got leap year coming up, <laughs> goes, and you got three months in 180 years. You could do it, son. He always believed in me. You know what I mean? So he, he goes, "You want a cup of coffee?" And he hands me a cup of coffee God. under the thing. At at this, like he would do it with me. Like that—that's a he would he just had full confidence that I could handle whatever was coming down the pipe. So when this guy asked him, uh, I know it sounds like he's uh, ruthless, but it's you just got to know his sense of humor. You know what I mean? He he really had full confidence. I mean from the time i was like three he was just like that's dan the man let him do whatever he wants (laughs) you know he was uh, a little nuts but anyway um so this guy tells him that my dad says well if you're a snitch go do that and so he he uh it goes throughout the jail that we know it's john ballard next thing you know i get transferred to the block and he's like hey uh because i already did the hair and blood sample they kind of knew i didn't do that they were going to let me go, but they didn't let me go yet. So I ended up in the block with this guy. And he goes, hey, you're not going to kill me, are you? And I was like, what? I said, who the fuck are you? I don't know who you are. And he goes, I'm the guy that you're in here for these murders. And I said, I should kiss you in the mouth. I said, I, I'm about to walk right now because I took a lie detector test and prove I didn't do the murder. They dropped an armed robbery, which I did do. I said, you you know, you're a piece of shit, but I ain't got nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I, I left it at that. And then the guy uh, ends up beating the charges. Yeah, he goes to prison for three murders. I mean, they had him dead to rights. But they fucked up the thing so bad, he ends up getting released. Like, I just heard about it, like, a couple years ago. But um, anyway, that's all. Ooh, sorry. That's all uh, in the past now. But, yeah, I was there was, like, 22 people that signed things saying I did it. And I was like, this is crazy. And then they tried to indict me on the murder of uh, – the CI in my case and I was in jail when it happened. Right. So, like they were always trying to do stuff like that. Arrest me for stuff and then why did the twenty people say you did it? Do you think it was just twenty
1: people that so they knew you? Yeah. Yeah.
0: They they all knew me. I was actually just trying out. to get
1: you off the street.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was a terror. So I was hiding out in the Everglades in um Everglades City. And I know a bunch of people down there, but they all ratted on me. I was hiding out down there, except for like one girl that I know now today, she was a stand-up uh, person. She didn't say nothing, you know. But they pretty much got everybody down there. To I mean, I, I it's funny the, the statements that they wrote were like, "Oh, he's he confessed to this and he did that," and uh, and anybody that knows me. I mean, even if even if I did do something, I wouldn't talk about it or nothing. You know what I mean? And uh, that was because I was always you know worried about stuff like that even doing this like i always wonder i'm like ah, oh, man what if they uh bring this up and then i'm like who gives a shit you know well all mean, the statute
1: of limitations is yeah you know, all these crimes are so fucking old like, yeah and, Cap- and le- unless you're saying i committed this murder doing right. this at yeah, this time yeah, yeah. like yeah, right. that's or what is it there's only two things with no statute of limitations murder and espionage or something like that
0: yeah i think well any capital crime uh, murder home invasion um stuff like that home invasion doesn't have a, a statute of limitations i don't think so but you could check i i think because of um it being a capital offense like carjacking was for a while and then they changed it because all those guys were getting killed down in miami okay so now you got
1: out you started a a, a moving company eventually you started a moving yeah
0: company. yeah i did it for a, a, about see 2008 to about a number of years i did it without being official you know, right, I just do it for just get a truck word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a couple of trucks and and I was using those, and then I was renting them, and then I started. I was like, you know what? I need to make this official. Right. So I went and got my LLC, and then um, uh, a friend of mine, he's, he's dead now too. He was a like, uh, good, yeah. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> crazy, but he filed my stuff for me because I was intimidated to go down. And it's funny, I wasn't scared to you know die all the time, but I was definitely terrified the first time i got uh health insurance i didn't use it for a year i paid cash everywhere i went and when they found out i had it because i didn't i was afraid to hand it in and then them tell me something like i'm doing something wrong and i didn't have the right answers so i, didn't, I just didn't use it yeah I, so i wouldn't use it and then a year later they found out i asked this guy i was like how do you use this insurance and uh he goes you just hand the card to the lady and that's it i said like, get out of here really and so i went and, and i handed it to her and she's like, oh, you've had this for a year. I could go back and, you know, I said, no, no, let me pay full price for my stupidity. It was like a couple thousand dollars for right. visits. I had like bronchitis or something. I would just pay cash. Yeah. Because I, I just didn't, I didn't know what to say to it. And uh, I didn't want that, you know, what the hell you've been doing all your life type thing coming up, you know. So Yeah. yeah I didn't learn a lot of you know normal shit i had to pick it up now i found out you can youtube everything which is embarrassing right. i could have just been youtube and all this shit i youtube <laughs> yeah. yeah you could youtube everything time. yeah yeah just and like,
1: I, like I, when colby came in and i said how do you do this like yeah. i was li- when you when you um texted me i was about to youtube something on final cut pro right? And that's why i'm yeah like, man it's
0: incredible i, I still asked. call 10 people like now because i know everybody doing everything so I call 10 people and I, and I strike up a conversation and I'm trying to soak out the information of what I want. Right. While I'm talking to them. So it's not just like I'm calling and it's such, such a stupid game I play. And then eventually I'll just be like, yeah, how the fuck do you do this? Yeah. And they'll be like, why don't you just YouTube it? And I'm like shut up yeah I'll, and listen, I started doing it I'll yeah.
1: YouTube stuff too I'll YouTube stuff is like I wait to the last minute to like call Colby yeah or call Danny yeah you know, I'll call him and I'm like listen bro I tried yeah. like I want to yeah. let him know I tried yeah I YouTubed it I did this 500 things I did, things like, I did. <laughs> wouldn't call it because I don't want to be that guy let you get the thing you're like oh this fucking guy yeah he's yeah. always calling me asking stuff and then the worst thing is when they're like Okay. See the three buttons. Click that. <laughs> yeah. Go down two. See that where it says
0: that, and you're like, no.
1: Yeah. Click that. Okay, Too we're done, simple. and you're like, yeah. I'm such an
0: idiot. Like, yeah. how did I not? You can't see it. You just can't see it. They're 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 more practiced at it, or I couldn't see it. Well, especially yeah. not even yeah. starting the process till you're 50
1: years old, right? Right. Yeah. So Our these brains are stuck. Right. What's intuitive of to phones. these guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still. Yeah. When I was a kid. Did you ever see that video? There was a TikTok. Right. where an adult basically some some guy who's probably in his 50s goes to his two kids that are 12 and 14 years old or something and gives them a rotary phone and yeah. says gives them the phone that. and says dial yeah. this number yeah and the the, the
0: discussion that they yeah. have and yeah. trying to do it and it's just like yeah, it's out of their realm yeah it was kind of cool seeing them get stumped by that though. yeah yeah that's me trying to, to do that that's me trying to use my iphone when yeah. i first got yeah. out of prison when i first got it, i remember asking my daughter how do you text yeah that's yeah. like the silliest thing i was like how do you text people yeah i still don't like that it always gets misinterpreted you know what i mean i gotta learn how to write better but so all right so back to uh uh ballard and and beating that stuff, I you know, it got me out of that trouble. And then uh, I'm trying to think.
1: Well, yeah, we, we, we kind of jumped around. So yeah. we, then you eventually you got out of prison. You started
0: the... I started a moving company. Yeah, I started a moving company. And yeah. now... And a demolition. I did a lot of demolition. That's how I learned how to put stuff together was taking stuff apart. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's how I learned everything about construction was just destroying it, um, you know, gently. And I ended up... Oh, I ended up demo in the prison that I first went to Henry Correctional for a um uh it's kind of a secret but they they had like a they were teaching um what do they call them communication specialists how to kill people so they didn't get over, overrun like these these Canadian communication specialists they were they would get overrun by the enemy or whatever and get killed so these special forces guys were teaching them that so I demoed the prison and turned it into a playground for them and um i wasn't allowed to take pictures of that one but that was one of the biggest demo jobs i did and it was so strange being there at a place that i spent so many years at doing so much crazy shit and then being there running a crew of 32 guys and and just be able to come and go as i wanted to i mean uh the girl i was with at the time i had her on the razor wire fence he's like you would never touch that fence you know what i mean like right. uh, like i was sitting there you know swinging it, or whatever, like jumping on it and uh it was just a total different total different outlook you know from the hopelessness of being a youth i didn't even know it was hopeless at the time but but being a youth and not being able to leave there and then and then uh and then running a crew and making really good money right and, yeah good contract but it's uh, funny it's
1: always funny to um, my wife, you know, when we go to pick up her daughter, mm-hmm. um, that we drive right by Coleman, but yeah. the prison I spent, you know, thirteen right. years, and I drive yeah. by. It's like I'd never seen it from the outside. Yeah, you know? yeah, you
0: don't even know. You're yeah. like, oh,
1: that's what that was. Yeah. That was
0: a. Concrete factory. I used to see this little building in the, you know, and yeah, yeah. A friend of mine from New York wanted to see the prison I was in. I was showing him Rayford, right? And he goes, "How come you don't know which way to turn?" I'm like, "Dude, they never let us out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, "I I don't know."
1: Yeah, I could have been like you could have told me I was in Missouri. Yeah, I I only know I'm in florida because my mom said the prison's an hour north of tampa like i don't know where i am i've never walked out i don't know what it looks like from the outside yeah sensory
0: deprivation or something your whole world is in this little little tiny yeah when you see it from the outside too you're like oh that's so weird yeah it was a gray day too i remember seeing the gun towers and everything when we went there i was like i don't know why you want to see this place but you want to see it yeah it was a pretty pretty gloomy place Yeah. yeah
1: Yeah. yeah, I remember. You know, we would be in the rec yard at the low. Um, well, in the medium too. Actually, this happened in the medium too. You'd be in the rec yard, and you could hear them. You know, because the prisons are so close together. Yeah, right there. There's yeah. only maybe a parking lot or two between the two of them, and you could see like the guard towers and stuff from right. the from the low. You could see the guard towers, and then you know every, you know, you know the difference between the low and the and the low in the medium and the penitentiary right. is is that these guys are locked down half the year. Yeah. So they would let them out. And sure enough, within a day or two, it's, you know, you hear the, the sirens and get on the ground, get on the ground. And then all of a sudden you hear, you know, you pop, you hear the concussion grenades and you're, you're sitting on you're, you're you're, you know, I'm, I'm, whatever i'm you know hundreds of yards away and those concussion grenades make you drop you know you're like holy jesus you know and they're talking about you will be fired upon you will (laughs) be fired i'm like god thank god i'm at the low
0: yeah you know yeah those guys they're crazy over there man Desoto was like that too it was like night and day the separation guys that were able to work and south florida too i remember they didn't have the the, what was that stuff to med the mental patients take uh thorazine thorazine they oh, ran out of it and these these guys were like throwing guards like there were rag dolls in the dad's like super strength it was crazy and uh the whole block was going crazy they were, you know one guy ran he jumped on the razor wire they had to use a helicopter to get him oh, out. My God. yeah and it was it was nuts
1: i was talking about time. you know i don't know if they were you know they eventually what it ended up entering in the last probably 10 years is you know that synthetic marijuana that you know they call it tucci yeah uh and they they you know and and it, it obviously it just makes these guys nuts and i yeah. mean they would strip yeah. down naked and they just start Bar- running a hole in their brain Man, yeah they start running around the compound so you got eight eight COs trying to grab some guy who's He's naked psycho, you know yeah. running around and and they like you said they got like yeah. psych, psycho strength yeah yeah and it's just you know, like, and
0: like PCP is the
1: dude to make him like superhuman. Yeah, and they, they yeah. grab this guy, and he'd be on the ground, and he'd be screaming, he's on fire. Right. So you're like, you know, he's insane. He right. stripped it. This is a grown man just stripped his clothes off, right. running around the compound with the cops, screaming, he's on fire, and trying to put out the
0: fire. <laughs> and you're like, this is not going to end good.
1: Right. And yeah. the other inmates would 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 tell themselves like. Man, he got a good batch. Yeah, that's what I want. Oh yeah. What
0: do you? Yeah. That's what you want. He's just. What, yeah. what are you doing? You're attracted to it like uh, moths to a flame. Yeah. yeah, you just don't know how to do it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't know. He yeah. can't handle it. Like. Yeah, yeah. That's a walk. good batch right there. Yeah. Where you think you're on <laughs> fire and you're f- walk. <laughs> superhuman strength. <laughs> you'd walk in the
1: bathroom. They <laughs> yeah. some guy would be on the ground flopping yeah. around. Yeah. And he was sw- just... trying to swim like on the tile. That's and you're the like, good stuff. Guys, yeah. would be like, man, that's that good shit.
0: That's how they used to do it with their heroin too. Somebody died from a bag. It'd be in the, in the newspaper, and it, and there'd be a hundred people going to that bag, just because that guy didn't know how to do it. But God, that would that would so give you the stupid. yeah wrong with people? yeah yeah. It's it's crazy. It's a driving like you don't think like you know what I mean. These are these are people that are probably just as intelligent as anybody else, but you can't tap into your thinking ability. You're just obsessed. You're fixed on it. Right. Yeah. So it gets like, gets more progressive and uh, eventually you start running around like you're on fire. There's like a bunch of um, like true, when you were saying true crimes, I I was thinking I'm not really qualified for true crimes. It was more (laughs) reacting and and needing stuff and just making dumb decisions. But there was a lot of like, you know, uh, criminals. They were always a lot smarter than me. You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of like kicking the door and throwing everybody on the ground, right? Yeah, and I wasn't, I was, I didn't like stealing because if I robbed you, you knew I did it, you know. I and mean? if I didn't, if you didn't know I did it, then I had to walk around worried that you were gonna find out, and like, I'm a punk, I can't tell you that I took your shit, you know what I mean? Like, these were the stupid rules I started to form right being deranged, you know what I mean? That it was better to just let you know. And then my conscience got so bad and there wasn't enough drugs to settle it, I would have to talk people into being okay with me route. You're okay with me taking this, right? Like I would get it would be deadly serious. You know what I mean? And I couldn't leave until I was convinced that you wanted me to leave with your stuff.
1: And the guy's five foot through five foot three looking up at you, six foot five. I mean there was all
0: kinds of of people yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, it's, I'm I'm, embarrassed you have to even ask me. Yeah, that. I thought yeah. we were friends enough Here, to take know. take the car too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, it, they used to have some, uh, well, in Naples, is a lot nicer, but in Miami is a little rougher, but in St. Louis is rough. But, the, but um, they would have these parties down there in Marco Island and Naples, and they would just talk about me robbing people. <laughs> and I would be like, you know, this is not what I want to be known for. At the time, it was funny. Right but then, when you you know you get a little older, it's like this is ridiculous. You know, all I'm known for is just taking people's shit. So, you know, the guy I forget his name, like
1: John Pulitzer or something. Um, you know, the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, right. So, you know, he's actually the inventor of gunpowder. I
0: thought that was DuPont. Is it? Yeah. Is it Pulitzer? I think it's Pulitzer. It's Pulitzer. Oh yeah, you're I probably right. I, um, I read a story on DuPont and uh, how they started. They were just manufacturing it. it right. So, a lot of places. Um, right. I was going
1: to say. So, he, he, it was, mis- and I could be wrong about the story, but I'm, right. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm accurate. Uh, um, he, it was reported that, to the newspaper that he had died, but uh-huh. he hadn't died. Right. So, one day he yeah. reads the newspaper yeah, yeah. and it's his obituary. Right. And what he reads is basically the man responsible for coming up with like gunpowder. Right. Which has you know destroyed more of this than any you know is ki- is is responsible for killings like just right. just butchered right you know the creation of gunpowder right and he read it and he thought this is my obituary wow. this is what i'm leaving behind right. and then so Our he legacy, tur- yeah. right so he turned around and came up with the you know like the um you know pulitzer prize and the uh um what is it the um Wait, wait, what's the peace? What is it to be? Nobel. Nobel. I'm sorry. I think it's it's Nobel, the Nobel Peace Prize. Not Pulitzer. Sorry. The Nobel. (laughs) Right. So then he came up and he funded like the Nobel Peace Prize. And I'm sorry, not Pulitzer. I'm wrong. So the Nobel uh, Peace Prize. And like, so he spent the rest of his life like trying to clean up. Yeah what he had never really thought about. He just thought, like, I came up with this, this, this invention right. or this chemical or whatever, this process. And, you know, not th- thinking, Hey, I made some money in this and not seeing how, you know, the effect that people were really looking at him right. and spent the rest of his life, you know, fixing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so. one of the the revelations I had was that I can't, like I have a responsibility to do something, to live to my potential. That's what I learned from the guys on death row, the ones that didn't have any more time, right? and they were waiting to die. They, they said that the difference between their heaven or hell, the ones cutting themselves and the ones that had this peace about them, was how much they lived to their potential, how much did they li- help others live to theirs, and, and how they treated everybody. So I built my whole thing about, you know, my daughter only doing what I would tell her, it was just somebody I loved that I wouldn't give bad advice to. Right. So I started taking it. And um, and since then, I've had, you know, hundreds of people. Like, all I had to do at first was just not punch a cop. And everybody's like, Dan, really turned his life around. That's how low my bar was at first. <laughs> but then, it, like, year after year, it's gotten, you know, to where, like, judges are, you know, sending people incorrigibles or whatever, anybody even close to that. They somehow get a hold of me. And I started working with them. And um, a lot of them work for me, but uh, but what happened was when I learned that lesson, I didn't have a life or death sentence. When they when they transmitted that message to me and I seen the piece they had, I did like you know like that guy you know he, he read his obituary and there was nothing he wanted to right. you know be grateful about. So I worked on I've been working on it. and Didn't know it, but it took about six years of doing it before I realized what I was doing, and it, I was evening out the scales like you. Like you said, right. clearing up the past, and I, you know, I did. I paid everything I owed. I, um, you know, I deal with people fairly. Um, I got you know multiple things going on, and uh, and people count on count on me. Like you know, a lot of people, right? And it, you know, all around the world, pretty much. I got like people that call and stuff like that, and um, and now I'm starting to travel a lot. But one of the things I did want to uh, emphasize is that. I was deemed incorrigible by the state of Florida, beyond correction. And then I was deemed a sociopath or whatever, one of those nice titles. And I was told I was bipolar and I was put on lithium. And I'm not on none of that stuff. And I'm not saying nothing's wrong with that. I got a lot of mental illness in my family. But I haven't needed anything just by taking an honest self-appraisal and doing my best instead of worrying about you know the results of that, right, and like they said, leave live to your potential, so every day, every year, I grow, and my my network grows and the and the influence grows. So my point to all that is I couldn't shake people, no matter what I did. Some people liked me and wanted me around, and I caused a lot of destruction right due to fear and and you know worrying about being found out and all this stuff. I caused a lot of destruction today, everywhere I go, it gets a little better. And that's possible for anybody. I've done it with like hundreds of guys.
1: And you do the life coach.
0: You yeah, life coaching, and then well, I I sponsor people for free, and then I life coach like families and stuff like that. Um, that I just tell them if you get results, and and it it's it's done better than my moving company, right? You know, and that moving company does really well, but but yeah, there's there's it it definitely it wasn't my goal. It was just that you can't just work with one person because really it's the, the relationships all across the board. It's counterproductive when you go to try to help somebody and everybody thinks he's the problem. Well, all you had a part in that, you know what I mean? So it's hard to work with somebody, get them better. Then they go back into the environment and then they're sick again and it's, and they become destructive mm-hmm. and, and everybody's blaming them on how good they're doing or how bad they're doing when in reality it's, it's uh they're comparing what they're doing wrong to what he's doing wrong. So that looks bad. Like I used to keep a guy around me that stabbed people all the time because it made me look really good. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but he was my friend. But his main job was to look crazier than me, so I looked kind of normal. That's when I look back on it. I was like, man, and I couldn't find that guy anymore. Right. Like I got to the point where I was that guy that, that I just couldn't find the guy anymore that made me look good. Yeah. So I had to get good.
1: It's like playing poker, and uh, the there's always somebody's the fish, and it's like if uh, you can't find the if you can't figure out who the
0: fish is, you're, you're the fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I just like to always end with that that you know even though the the thing go you know it goes crazy. There's tons of stories of you know could be comical if it wasn't real, and uh, and my life, you know what I mean, and and it, and it was at the at times comical, but it was really just out of desperation and no not knowing i had a choice right hey i appreciate you guys watching
1: i uh if you like the video do me a favor subscribe to the channel hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this uh leave me a comment in the comment section and uh, i have a patreon you know it's like 10 bucks a month it's that's nothing and uh yeah thank you very much for watching and see you